0: You are listening to the Sermon Podcast of Nielsville Presbyterian Church, a Christ-centered church in Germantown, Maryland. To learn more about Nielsville, visit us online at nielsville.org. Chris Garrett is the Ruf Campus Minister at University of Maryland College Park, um, and I'm, I'm just looking forward to having him share with us his word. And I want to, before that, I want to pray for him. Thank you. Uh, Father, thank you for our brother Chris. We pray, Lord, that you would just continue to fill him with your grace and your spirit. May he speak mightily through him. May the word come alive to us and that we would be changed as a result. Mm-hmm. Uh, just continue to fill him with your grace, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jeff. Yep. Well, it's good to be here with you again this morning. We're going to look at Psalm 27. And Psalm 27 is a psalm of David, and it's all about fear. And as we think about 2018 finishing up and going into 2019, I thought, well, that would be a good theme to think about. What are you afraid of? I think my first experience with fear was when I was about five or six years old. And uh, it was a Halloween, and we were going trick or treating. And the neighborhood I lived in was a very rural area, there wasn't many houses. And so my next door neighbor, Mr. Herb, had a van. And he said, why don't you guys come down, all the children of the neighborhood, and we'll go to a place which had more houses, right? You might know, you might experience this, right? You want to get more candy. So I was all dressed up. I hopped in the van, and I waited. And as I was sitting in the van, I turned, and I looked out the window, and right next to me was a face of a person that had a black pointy hat and stringy hair and a mask and warts. And slowly, I began to sink down into that van, afraid to death. And it was my mother. <laughs> she, loved it. she loved Halloween and she loved to scare us. Um, so all of my problems in life, I, I, I go back to that one area, all my issues, but... So I'm not sure what you're afraid of, uh, but the Lord has given us amazing promises to deal uh, with our fear. And so if you would, we're going to look at Psalm 27. So let me pray and then we'll read the scriptures. Father, we thank you so much for this morning to worship you, to sing these songs, to rejoice in the gospel of Jesus, what he has done for us, and reconciling us to the Father. Lord, we pray that your Spirit would be with us, that you would enlighten us, that you would meet us in our different situations. Lord, whether it's anxiety, whether it's fear, whether it's depression, sickness, God, that you would meet us, that you would change us, that you would show us your grace and love, and we pray that in Christ's name. Amen. So hear the word of the Lord this morning. Take courage, wait for the Lord. This ends the reading of God's holy word. Now there was a painting in the early part of the, the 20th century called "The Scream." Now I don't know if you've seen it. It's kind of an expressionist uh, painting. It looks like almost like a cartoon of a man uh, with his head tilted, and he's uh, he's he's in scream mode. And uh, I was reading about that. It was it was uh, painted by. Uh, a painter by the name of Edvard Munch. And he um, said this about his his painting. He said, "Um, One evening I was walking along the path of the city. On one side, the fjord below, I felt tired and ill. I stopped and I looked out over the fjord. The sun was setting and the sky colored red, blood red. I sensed a scream passing through nature art critics have called this the Mona Lisa of our time we are a people ruled by fear now I do college ministry down here at the University of Maryland and as I work with students many of them uh, have lots of fears Uh, they fear you know when they come to college as freshmen they fear leaving home they fear what is it going to be like they fear weird difficult roommates Uh, they fear The pressure of performance and a certain GPA and making sure they please their parents, and they fear uh, not slipping behind. They fear, there's all kinds of fears that they have. And, you know, fears aren't just for college, right? (laughs) We all deal with lots of fear. And we're ruled by it oftentimes. Maybe relationally you're struggling. Maybe. You're single and you want to be married. Or you're married and there's difficulty in your relationship. Maybe there's relationships in your family that are just, you just don't know uh, what's happening or where they're going to end up. And you fear and you have anxiety about all of these things. Some of you may be introverts and you're here in a crowd. Thank you for being here, right? (laughs) There's fear of, of crowds. There's fear of the future. There's political fear. There's fear of uh, being safe. And there's health fear, right? We live in a broken world. And you might think, well, where does all this fear, where does this come from? And as you go back to the beginning of the Bible, fear enters in in Genesis chapter 3. God creates the world. Everything is Beautiful and good. Adam and Eve have a perfect relationship with God. And then what happens? They take of the fruit of the tree and they eat of it. And immediately there is fear. We remember they hide from God. And the Lord is walking through the garden. And God says, where are you? And Adam says, well, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And so fear, biblically speaking, comes from this idea that we are sinners and we're separated from a holy God. That that actually is the beginning of where this problem comes from. That we are separated because of our sin, but the beautiful part about the The gospel is that God has made a way. The gospel really is the antidote to our fear. In the gospel, Jesus comes and takes upon our sin and he restores us so that we no longer have to fear a holy God or punishment or judgment. That has been dealt with. And so true love casts out fear. 1 John says perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And so as we turn to this psalm, we see David really proclaiming the gospel back here in Genesis. And there's, what I would say, there's an antidote for fear in in this psalm. And it deals with this. Ultimately, the answer for our fear is a robust worship of the Lord. And I want to say three things, three C's. A bold confession, a commitment to God's presence, and a cry of the soul. And so, as we look at the psalm, the first thing that David does with his fear is he speaks into it with a bold confession of faith. If you look in your scripture in verses 1 and 2, he starts with this confession. He says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? And then at the end in verse 13, it's almost like a bookend. You could could say to David, David, what do you believe? He says this, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What we have first is a real confession of faith in the midst of his fear. And if you think about David's life, it was full of situations of anxiety. You think about the beginning when he's, a, he's a, a boy and he's out there as a shepherd with the bears and with the lions, right? And he sees God deliver him time and time again. And then we, we fast forward. He's a teenager. He's there with the Philistines delivering uh, bread and cheese to his brothers on the battlefront. And we see him enter in and become this heroic figure with Seemingly no fear as he is used by God to deliver the Israelites from Goliath, the giant. After he comes, becomes a part of Saul's service, though, he's still surrounded by difficulty. Saul is actually wanting to kill him several times. And so his whole life is almost this, this on the run being surrounded by enemies. Even his own son, Absalom, tries to overthrow him. So David was acquainted with fear and anxiety. But in the midst of that, in the midst of this psalm, we see him, he's surrounded by his enemies. He has people breathing out threats. And in the midst of that, he he makes a bold confession of the faith. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I? And he focuses on the Lord. The character of the Lord. The Lord is my light. How does that help us? Well... God is the one who brings light to our darkness. He brings clarity when we don't know what to do, when we are afraid, when we're in the dark. And the Lord is my salvation, he says. The one who has delivered me time and time again, as we've thought about. Literally, God is his Yeshua, his salvation, his Joshua. The one who saves time and time again. And ultimately, he's proclaiming that that, that God is his Lord. And if you look in this uh, psalm, whenever you see L-O-R-D, capital, that is the Hebrew Yahweh, which is the title for the covenant Lord of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That when David is calling on the Lord, he's not calling on some unknown God out there but he is calling on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The covenant Lord who has come time and time again to deliver his people. And so when David is making this confession, it's not a blind leap in the dark. But it is to a God who he knows has been with him and delivered him time and time again. And so what does he do? When we come, with, when we come to the Lord, we come with this strong commitment and confession of who God is the question is where do you go with your fear where do you go with your fear do you fight it or do you flee from it do you allow it to rule you in anxiety or do you speak into it the sure confession of who God is preaching to your heart In all of its doubts, but preaching to your heart, this is who my God is, and my God is with me, and my God is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? We tend to let our thoughts, anxieties, and all of this stuff, right, rule us and bring us down. What David is showing us in the psalm is he is proclaiming and confessing who the Lord is. This would be a great verse to memorize for 2019, right? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. In whom shall I be afraid? Preach the gospel. Preach the truth of who God is into your fears. The second thing is a bold commitment to the presence of God. A bold commitment to the presence of God. And so as you go through... He begins to talk about desiring one thing. He just wants to get into the Lord's presence. He says in verse 4, One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This is amazing. So he's in the midst of his enemies. He's in the midst of this turmoil. He's in the midst of all of the fears, and what he wants to do is see the face of the Lord. He wants to have the presence of God. And so he's committed to this. And he's committed to getting his eyes on the Lord Jesus, on God. Now, as you think about this, this is what worship is. When we come into this building on a Sunday, it is a place where we are seeking to renew our hearts and our minds and our visions about who God is and who we are and what Jesus has done. And so David is showing us what it looks like to be committed to worship, to be committed to being in the presence of God. And this is really transforming and an antidote to his fear. Now, what does he view? He says... What is the beauty that he wants to get into? He says, now it's not, at this point in the history of Israel, it's not the elaborate temple that Solomon will build. But he is thinking about the tabernacle. He's thinking about the tent. And what, what, do, what would we find in the tent or the tabernacle? Well, we would find these rooms walled off by curtains, And ultimately, where the sacrifice was happening. So, what David is desiring is the presence of the Lord taking his sin and dealing with it through the animal sacrifice. All of his fears of separation, all of his fears of his sin. He may be thinking of Bathsheba and Uriah and the whole incident there. All that stuff that maybe Satan is bringing up in his mind. What he really wants is to get with the Lord and remember, Oh, my sin has been dealt with in the sacrifice. This is the beauty of the Lord that he is seeking. This is why he is committed to the sacrifice. Because in the sacrifice, the judgment of God has been taken away. His fear... Of judgment. His fear of separation has been taken away. He's been forgiven. Here in the temple, he's reminded of God's love for him. He's reminded of how God cared for him and God made a covenant with him and God chose him. This is the perfect love that casts out fear. And this is a pointer. Now, this is before the cross, right? This is before Jesus. But as we come to the Psalms, we see, boy, these, this is showing us, even on the other side of the cross, how to live. That we we must look to Jesus, our Savior, as the one who casts out our fear. To get in the presence of God. To see the beauty of Jesus. You see, David's heart, what happens in this psalm is, his heart is overtaken, not in duty, but in First, in beauty, seeing the sacrifice transforms him and then makes him desire to serve the Lord. Makes him desire to worship God. To take his mind off the fear and onto to service. Off the fear of everything that's going on and onto the beautiful duty of loving the Lord and loving others and serving the Lord. He says, verse 6, I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. And so we have him transformed because he's been in the presence of God. And he's he's seen God's love for him in the sacrifice. Now he is shouting for joy. And he's singing and he's worshiping. And he's committed to offering the sacrifice. What frees us from our fear is a bold, robust commitment to God's presence in worship. And so I want to talk about even what we're doing right here. This is so crucial. One of the things I tell people is that it's a miracle to get a college student out of bed on Sunday morning and get them to church. But I truly believe that it's not until they really are committed to that, that they're truly serious about their faith because it's so crucial because at the worship it is where we are transformed and renewed again and again and again it's where we see what jesus has done for us again and again worship is transformative right we come in here with all of our issues all of our problems all of our fears all of our anxiety anxieties and it's here that we see oh that's right god is god and i'm not god (laughs) I've done some things, and I've thought about some things. Lord, forgive me for that. Renew me. We, we read these confessions of faith, and that says, yes, this is what I believe. Even if, I'm, if I have doubts and everything, Jesus, you have come in the flesh. You have died. You have rose again. You have ascended. and You are coming back. You are being transformed. You are being renewed. It's like, you know, watching these football games yesterday you know and the one team i think it was oklahoma was way down and the coach got the whole all the players together and you could just see him they were all gathered around him and he was giving it to him but he was trying to fire him up to some extent worship is like that for us it's the place where once again we get fired up to understand who god is who we are what he's called us to do and what he has done for us and so this is so key, if we leave that away, if we leave that means of grace on the side, we'll stay in our fear, we'll stay in our anxiety, we'll just stay useless really for his kingdom. He desires us to be filled. And it's the beauty of that gospel, the beauty of the presence of Jesus that is not a, it's not a duty, but it's the beauty of Jesus that sets us free. To worship and to love and to go out in confidence, in the midst of a fearful culture and society. One of my favorite movies is Castaway. I don't know if you've seen that old movie with Tom Hanks. Uh, you know he's he's a FedEx employee. His plane crashes. He's on a deserted island. His only friend is Wilson, the, the volleyball. You've seen you've seen that. In that movie. It's interesting, Um, there's a scene there, you you think he's just going to give up, and and, and, and at one point he thought about suicide, and you know, he's talking to Wilson to volleyball, but that that really doesn't do it. But there's a scene in that movie that keeps him driving on, and he's in the cave, and I think he had a toothache, and he keeps looking at a little locket, and in that locket is his fiancee, I think it was Helen Hunt in the movie. And he keeps looking at that, and that is what drives him on to continue to try to get back, right? And to go out and build this little sailboat. It's, the, it's her. It's the love he has for her, and it's the love she has for him. Love drives him. And so it's the same for the Christian. The gospel is God's love for us. Being in his presence, we experience his love and his renewal, that he loves sinners. And this is what drives us on. And this is what keeps us. And the third thing is this how do we get over fear? An honest cry of the soul. In verse 7, and towards the end of this, this psalm, it's he turns and he begins again to cry out to the Lord. He begins to really be honest with the situation that he's in. Verse 7, hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious and answer me. Verse 9, hide not your face from me. Turn not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. He's feeling rejected by God. He's feeling rejected by family. He says. For my, father, my mother and father have forsaken me. But the Lord will take me in. Verse 12. He has enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me. They breathe out violence. He feels enemies. The persecution. He feels rejection by his family. He feels that God has forgotten him. But what he does, and this is so beautiful, is that psalms are honest. David does not come to the Lord pretending to be some really good Christian. He comes in honest desperation about this is the way life is. How do you come to God? Do you come with your honesty? Do you come with the reality of this is how it is, or do you come to God pretending it's, it's better than it is? The Psalms show us, David shows us here, an honest cry to the Lord of this is how it is. This is so beautiful. The gospel calls us to come as we are, to just give it to him, to say everything is open. This is how it really is, Lord. Help me. Deliver me. I feel this way. Do you bring your honest self to the Lord? David is waiting upon the Lord. He is being honest. But he's also, this this psalm also shows us, it points to someone else. The cry of David here actually shadows, points to another who was also rejected by his mother and father, and he was ultimately rejected by his father in heaven. The Lord Jesus, the greater David, was rejected by his family. We see that in the Gospels. His family thought he was crazy in Mark 4. and He's ultimately rejected by his heavenly father, as we see when he is on The cross, he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And his father turns his face away. David cries out, Lord, hide not your face from me. Turn your servant away in anger. Cast me not off. Forsake me not. And the Lord delivers him. But the Lord Jesus cries out and is not delivered. This is the beauty of the gospel that Because the Lord Jesus was rejected and cast off, we would never be. Do you see how beautiful Jesus has been to us? He has taken upon himself our sin. And he has been cast off. He's been rejected by the Father. The judgment of God has been put on him. He has suffered hell in our place. So that we would never be rejected. So that we would never be cast off. So that we would never have to fear his anger or his judgment. It's as if the Lord Jesus was like the castaway. He came to this island for 33 some years and he was rejected, right? And he was alone and he was in sorrow and he cried out. And what kept him on but was that little locket? And you know who was in that little locket? You and me. Hebrews says it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. And that joy is his people to do the work of his father, to redeem them, to suffer for them, so that they would never be alone, so that they would never have to fear, so that they, they would always know the love of God for him. This is why the Lord Jesus has come. David has been delivered, but the Lord Jesus has been rejected for us so that we would never go out in fear so i pray that as we think about 2019 you'll be the kind of people and i'm praying this for myself as well that we would be the kind of people that in the midst of our fear and anxiety the midst in the midst of whatever 2019 holds right that we would be a confident people because of what the lord jesus has done for us we have no reason to fear let me pray our father and our god we thank you For the Lord Jesus, who left all the glory of heaven and put on flesh to be rejected, to ultimately be a man of sorrows, to be condemned as a criminal, to be forsaken and left aside, to be rejected, to suffer the just wrath of God for us so that we would never be rejected, so that we would never have to fear, so that we would never be alone. So Jesus, would you make that real for us as we go into this new year, that we would be people full of confident hope, not in fear and anxiety, but with a joy and with the knowledge of you and your blessings. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.